0: What are some of the thorny legal issues emerging when it comes to cyber attacks on healthcare providers? I'm Marianne Kolbisak McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Patricia Carrero, a litigation attorney at law firm Axon, Veltrop, and Harkrider. So, Trish, we've been seeing a surge in ransomware attacks on the healthcare sector. In some cases, entities have been able to mitigate the problem using backup systems with minimal disruption... In other cases, entities end up paying the ransom despite warnings from law enforcement advising against that. And then in other instances, the malware badly disrupts the entity's operations, including clinicians having little or no access to patient data in order to carry out care. So Trish, with that said, what are some of the top legal issues that are emerging from these cyber attacks on healthcare entities, especially when the delivery of patient care is seriously impacted.
1: Sure. And Marianne, I think you've hit on the big distinction there, which is, you know, when is it just information? What happens then? What issues are there versus when patient care is implicated? So when you just have information being taken first with those ransomware attacks, there the big issue is standing right and you've noted this before i know and the issue people were initially having is okay my information was compromised but what then if i wasn't harmed in the physical sense if fraud wasn't actually committed then those people have had trouble establishing an injury in fact and so for a little bit of background there Article 3 of the Constitution restricts federal court jurisdiction to cases and controversies. And one element of that is the injury in fact. And courts are currently disagreeing over whether people whose information was taken but if they hasn't really been misused yet have an injury, in fact, sufficient to give them standing to sue in federal court. So you've got the District of Columbia, the Third Circuit, the Sixth Circuit, the Seventh and Eleventh Circuits, and they generally favor giving those people standing to sue in federal court. But then you have the Second, Fourth, and Eighth Circuits who are opposing it. Now, the Supreme Court, I'm sure, will chime in on this issue in the future. They've given some guidance before, but it's always led back to a split. There was always more ambiguity for us to talk about. And I think that's going to continue. I will say once we resolve that question about injury and fact, there's still the question of causation. So these people, these patients whose information, say, was taken, then they're going to have to establish that the results of that. And I think that's going to be an issue, particularly when you see the amount of massive data breaches that we've been seeing. So for Equifax, you know, if my medical record was stolen, but I was also compromised in the Equifax attack, if my social security number is then used, how do I know what caused that? Was it the ransomware or was it Equifax say? So there's that issue that's going to be coming up. Another thing, and I think this is what we focus on when we talk about patient care, ransomware and when it hits and say someone doesn't pay the ransom and the system is down, or the system is down while you're waiting to pay the ransom. Even, you know, hospitals are 24-hour place and there are urgent needs. Okay, they can't always wait. As so I'm sure is very clear to everyone involved in healthcare, urgency is life or death there. When it comes to healthcare, the sector is a bit notorious in a sense for underinvesting in cybersecurity. So, you know, you've got the financial sector, which is investing roughly 10 to 12% in its IT budget. Healthcare, on the other hand, is only about four to 6%. And so people are going to look at that and say, you didn't protect me well enough. So when we have patient care being compromised, it really starts pulling in a whole different set of issues. And that's particularly true on the insurance side of things. And as we think of more and more medical devices being used, things become a lot more dangerous. So, for example, there are 10 to 15 million medical devices in US hospitals today. That's an average of about 10 to 15 devices per medical bed, and most of them are networked. You know, 87% of healthcare organizations expect to use Internet of Things medical devices by 2019. 64% of those are patient monitors, things like insulin pumps, pacemakers, where their proper functioning is life or death for patients. Now, the FDA, of course, regulates these medical devices, and it's encouraged providers and medical device manufacturers to work together. But there's a lot of leeway there as far as who's responsible here, who is going to be sued when someone is hurt. I think it's only a matter of time until that happens, right? So whether it's the system going down in the midst of a surgery as interventional radiology particularly becomes bigger and bigger. I mean, these doctors are relying on their technology. If their system goes out in the middle of an operation, I mean, what happens if the person starts to bleed out? I mean, they're helpless. Or even when you just think about medical information not being available. So someone needs blood at that moment. And if you don't have their medical record, then you don't know what type of blood to give them, or you don't know that they're allergic to the particular type of medicine that you were about to give them. It's huge, and I think the elephant in the room for providers then is potential malpractice claims arising.
0: So Trish, with that said, could some of the cyber attacks we're seeing or will potentially see on healthcare sector organizations lead to malpractice cases? I will say I certainly expect one of the trends that we're going to be
1: seeing as people start becoming injured by these hacks being malpractice as a new claim against healthcare providers based upon their cybersecurity. Now, I don't expect it to be immediate, Reason being that for liability in a malpractice case, the patient usually has to show a deviation in the standard of care, which is, of course, based on, you know, what other providers are doing. And as we said, healthcare is a bit notorious for underinvesting. Eventually, though, particularly with all the guidances we've been seeing issued about cybersecurity, the cybersecurity standards will develop into a standard of care, and malpractice claims will be brought using that. It's going to be a really uncomfortable thing for providers, which then, of course, leads to the question of, is that going to be covered by insurance? I will say that'll depend. Uh, there are some potentially massive
0: gap there. So Trish, with that said, do current malpractice policies protect clinicians against medical mistakes that are caused by or related to cyber attacks? Has this been tested yet in the courts, for instance? This is sort of an open question that's out there. Reason being, you haven't seen
1: the physical Injuries, right? So, a lot of what's talked about here is we've seen people say you can hack these devices. You know, people studying it say these are vulnerable, we can hack them, but we haven't actually had a hacker, a malicious hacker, go in and cause those physical harms. But when you're looking at them, so Whether there's going to be coverage is going to depend upon a few things, one being what happens, right? Whether someone is physically harmed or whether it's just data that's compromised. So with cyber insurance policies, those generally have a physical harm exclusion. For a doctor, that's one heck of an exclusion. The cyber policy may help with the costs associated if a data breach is simply compromising some patient information. But if someone is physically harmed, that's excluded under cyber policies. It isn't going to cover those costs. Usually when we're dealing with patient injury, though, we think malpractice policies. Now, there's an argument about whether malpractice should cover cyber-related events at all. Now, after all, they're intended to cover claims about rendering or the lack thereof of professional services. Now, where exactly cybersecurity falls in as part of those professional services is not something that's been litigated yet. So at this point, any cyber coverage in a typical malpractice policies, if it's not specifically included, is really minimal and made even less significant by the fact that malpractice policies are generally claims-made policies. So, you know, if the policy only covers you if you have the same insurance when the malpractice happened and when you were sued for it, so if it takes the patient a while to sue you and you've switched hospitals, That policy isn't going to cover you. Now, you can buy nose or tail coverage, but you can't rely on the malpractice insurance that you had at the time.
0: So Trish, as you mentioned, in many cases, cyber attacks result in the availability of data being compromised. So you can't the doctors can't get access to records. What about the potential of the integrity of patient data being affected? For instance, if lab results or other information in patient records end up being deleted, manipulated, changed, for instance, in a cyber attack. What are the potential safety and legal issues in arising out of that? Could go a few different ways. So
1: one is it's manipulated into something that just embarrasses someone, right? So then we get into claims related to that and whether the hospital or whoever it is should have taken better precautions there. But then again, comes back to physical injuries. You know, if they can get in to take a record, they can also probably get in to manipulate it and change the information that's there, which also leads to, okay, what if that then results in physical harm. And, of course, brings us back to the same question. We were just talking about people were harmed. They're going to look to be made whole as much as they can. So it's the same issue that keeps circling back, which is, I'm harmed. What can I do about it? But it's if you can get in to manipulate a record, then that could lead to physical harm. It could just lead to, you know, embarrassing moments.
0: What about cyber attacks potentially impacting medical devices causing possible harm to patients. For instance, we often hear about sort of these demonstrations of how medical devices like an implanted pacemaker may get hacked and potentially harm a patient. But again, these have been lab case sort of scenarios, nothing that's really actually happened. But say something like that does happen. Say a a patient is harmed or maybe even killed by a medical device that was attacked by a hacker. It malfunctioned, it stopped working, bad information Information perhaps were emitted. How do cyber insurance or malpractice insurance policies right now address those kinds of scenarios? It
1: hasn't happened yet in the courts. What we do see just from the policy language itself is that cyber insurance policies have a physical harm exclusion, right? So it's not going to cover physical harm. While it may help with the cost if the person's you know, information was just compromised, it is not going to cover the physical harm aspect of it. So if, as you mentioned, God forbid someone is physically harmed or dies, cyber insurance is not going to cover that. What could potentially come into play, which is what you mentioned, is malpractice. Now there's an argument there about whether malpractice applies, right? Because malpractice is intended to cover professional services and mistakes made in relation to those professional services. And where cybersecurity falls in as part of a doctor's professional services is not something that's been litigated. I will say malpractice policies generally If cyber incidents are not specifically included, there's only minimal coverage there.
0: And what about the medical device makers themselves? Could they be sued if a patient was harmed due to a cyber attack, if it's it's alleged that perhaps the medical device maker didn't do enough in terms of addressing vulnerabilities in their products and making patches and upgrades available to the physicians that use these devices? Absolutely. And without a question, they will be facing product liability claims. So Trish, very briefly, what's your advice to entities right now when it comes to cyber insurance or malpractice insurance? Should they be watching for other cases that come into the courts? What do you expect will happen next? I mean, you always want to pay attention to what the courts are doing here, particularly since
1: there's so little guidance that we've gotten already. But you know, you don't have to wait till then, right? You can also be looking at the policies you have in place now, and paying attention to where the gaps are. So everyone should be looking at where are our vulnerabilities and what sort of coverage do we have? Because a lot of different insurance policies can be implicated. And so we want to take a look at, all right, what is my cyber policy covering? That is a huge question in and of itself because every cyber policy has different language, covers different things. They often read kind of like a Chinese food menu where you can, you know, select your coverage in this column and a little bit from this column and piece together what coverage you need. Make sure when you're piecing that together, you're then looking at, okay, well, here's my malpractice policy. And what is that going to cover? So you want to make sure that when you're putting together your insurance coverages, that you're looking at all your policies, seeing how they fit together. I'd recommend a few things generally there as far as getting a broker to take care of your coverage and making sure that when you are seeking the coverage, you're asking the sort of questions about things you're worried about that you want to make sure are covered. Because what can happen then is if the insurance company then ends up saying, you know, that's not something that was covered, then you want to be able to say, but I thought it was and why. You want to be able to say, in this email, I asked the question and I was told. And by having the broker, you build in sort of an extra person that you can go after in the case of if you are surprised by what you expected your coverage to be.
0: Thanks, Trish. I've been speaking to attorney Patricia Carrero. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.